Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and back on the podcast to this time, help me explore Psalm 74 is Grant Sork. We really wrestled with this psalm. We talked about the ways that it builds on the doubts and the wanderings of Psalm 73, the questions it raises, the fact that it even levels some accusations about God and calls him to account for his promises and what it means that God is relatively absent in this psalm. So I really enjoyed Grant's insights. I know you will too. To get us started, here's Grant reading Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance whom you redeemed, Mount Zion where you dwelt. Turn your steps toward these everlasting ruins, all this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in this place where you met with us. They set up their standards as signs. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They smashed all the carved paneling with the axes and hatches. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us know how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established the sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. How foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. Grant, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Good to be back, Matt. Thank you. And welcoming you back with quite the psalm. Quite, yeah, <laughs> not, not a light one. It, you were just reading it. It was really funny. We were just talking about axe throwing Yeah, right before we were. this. And <laughs> axes and hatchets have a very different kind of role in this psalm, don't Absolutely, they? Absolutely, yeah, not, um, not a fun hobby. But definitely it's prominent. Fun. So, uh, Shall we just dive yeah. in to our conversation with the first question? Sure thing. Grant, what yeah. stood out to you in reading this psalm? I think what stood out to me first and foremost, I think... Because in the psalm previously, you know, you know, you and Kevin talked about like the doubt that's being presented and like the wandering. And I feel like there obviously is still doubt and wandering in this author's heart, but it's more it's more clear that he feels a certain way. Like it's less doubt and more of like 
no, like I like you are abandoning us. Like like he's not saying like I feel like you've left us. Like he's saying why have you left us? Yeah. So it's a more of like a less of like a doubt kind of a frame and more of a powerful like no like this is how I feel. Why have you left us? Mm. And I thought that was like really interesting. It almost felt like an accusation, you know? So yeah, it's just it was like just the author really just like doubled down since the last one and moved kind of like, you know, upgraded from doubt to a more of an accusation, you know? And it was just, yeah, you can just like, even just reading it, you know, you you feel the passion, you get pumped up just from like reading it, you know? And just all the emotions in this author's heart and this strong feeling of being left and forgotten. That's what stood out to me. And also just another thing too, I think is uh, he begins to kind of like, you know, move in this like persuasion, you know, almost like yeah. it, like don't, Almost like he's like trying to incentivize God almost by saying like, no, like they're mocking you. Like don't let yes. yourself get mocked. Like so don't like if you can't like if you're not going to do it just for us, like do it for yourself too, <laughs> you know, like like because they're mocking you. And so it's almost it was just interesting like how desperate this author is. And he's just like pulling out all the all the stops to try <laughs> to like, you know, <laughs> that's kind of how it like read to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just it was it was an interesting one. Those are uh, yeah. Those are really helpful observations, Grant. I, I think you're right. There is there's a sense in the psalm, right? Of I don't have any doubts about you leaving us because look at the temple, mm-hmm. like it's completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it it takes on a different kind of tone. And it's asking different kinds of questions, and the language itself, like you said, there's kind of it's heightened. It's it's dramatic, not overly unnecessarily but mm. in the sense of it is appropriate to right. what's going on I, right the language haunts of violence filled the dark places of the land mm-hmm. that's from verse 20 it's just the depths like you said i think mm-hmm. of what's going on for this psalmist are, are pretty deep i want to return to your comments maybe later too mm-hmm. about almost the bartering that's going on because i think yeah. that's really helpful observation and i'm curious what that tells us well partly about god and partly mm-hmm. about us and what it looks like for us to pray but Mm-hmm. One of the things that stood out to me was the questions that are asked in this psalm are why and how long. Hmm. So it, we have why in verse one. Why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? In verse 11, why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Mm-hmm. We have how long in verse 10. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Mm-hmm. But when you boil those questions down to just why and how long, I thought, these are these are like the cries of the heart in crisis, aren't mm. they? Like they're they're not distant cries. And I think almost any of us who have gone through some kind of crisis have also asked why and how long. We've asked maybe slightly differently from this particular context, but that's one of the things that just grabbed me is just the the humanity of someone who still actually has a pretty remarkable faith. There is mm. a that I think that's another difference that you're drawing between kind of the place of doubts in 73 and here is actually there's a pretty strong faith that this is not how it's supposed to be. Right. And so why did you do this? And right. how long is it going to be like this before you rectify the situation? Right. right. It's kind of like a, a real covenantal faith mm-hmm. lying behind the psalm, even in what feels like almost despair. Mm-hmm. So because him just even asking that question, how long shows that he has faith that it will end right this this thing will yeah end as you or said, at least rectify. it should at least it should yeah. right according to yeah. sort of what you've told us before god so it's mm-hmm. time to remember 
right? He uses that kind of language. Recall, remember yeah. your promises. Think on your covenant, right? Mm-hmm. The promises that you've made to your people. So uh, maybe moving to our second question, let me ask you this. What do we learn or how do we encounter God in this psalm? I was like, oh man, this is going to be the hardest question to try to address because yeah. we're dealing with the author basically saying God's not here. Yes. I'm not encountering yeah. God. And so what do you do with that? So mm. so I was really wrestling with that, to be honest. And I was having a hard time thinking about that. And just kind of going back to, you know, even Psalm 73. And you said this, Matt, like the problems weren't like there was no resolution, right? Like there was mm. no like, oh, here, now I've seen God come in and, and change this and change our perspective. Like the problem is still there. But then Kevin said like, but this shows that God's character like allows that doubt, allows those questions. And I think, again, like this kind of just like echoes that. Yeah. Um, just because it's it's just like kind of a heightened version of the previous song. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of shows God like allowing that raw honesty, allowing that and like and kind of encouraging that. And, and and I didn't want this to bleed into the third question too much. But I think also I think like that in itself, like allowing that that rawness and that heightened those heightened emotions and just bringing that those honest feelings to God and, and God like allowing a space for that in relationship with him it leads this author to going back to remembering God's character yeah. and who God's is. And that in itself, I think could be kind of God, like blessing him without him realizing it, maybe in a sense, I don't know, Thank which I mean, yeah, which I mean, the author would probably disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if somebody told us this, when we're thinking this way and we're feeling this way, we would disagree yeah. with that too. And so there's no easy answer no. for something like that. Right. And I think, uh, yeah, it is difficult, but again, like it's important that God like allows that space and allows him to have that time to like reflect on who God is and his own questioning and like, what is this, you know? Well, one of the things I appreciate about what you're saying, Grant, well, I appreciate everything that you're saying because I think it's helpful <laughs> and it's honest and it's reflective on the Psalm. But one of the things, if I would take a step at mm. like offering some other language too, is mm. what, what I hear you saying is, it's interesting here, the psalmist is not thrown out kind of into the midst of the storm alone. Like they have a bedrock of what God has done mm-hmm. in the past. And that part of who God is, is he doesn't just throw us out into crisis mm. without having sort of the story of his faithfulness, right? Like yeah. whether that's the story of his faithfulness in our lives personally, or I mean, this Psalm is really focusing on his faithfulness to his people, right? There's plenty of Psalms that reflect more personally, but this one is really about what God has done. Yeah, It's focusing on deliverance from Egypt. It's focusing on the ways that God brought his people into promised land. And the imagery is all pointing us in that way. And it's pointing to God as creator. So it's going mm-hmm. back in some sense, the bedrock is like the most fundamental things. Like you made it all. Yeah. So, okay, can I rely? Can I kind of place myself on that? Which I think that is something about God, right? He doesn't just kind of abandon us without without having acted in the past. I thought another thing is, you know, to go back to your earlier comments about the psalmist is kind of like, hey, God, like they're mocking you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're not just mocking me. They're not just mad at me. They're making fun of you. Yeah. And yet we don't receive an answer in the psalm. The psalm ends, do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. Yeah. And I thought, you know, as we think about what's going on in the psalm, I thought part of it is God is thick-skinned. Hmm. Like the mockery of the enemies just does not phase him. 
He doesn't blink at it. <laughs> He's not like, oh, right. Well, now I'm super offended now that you've brought this to my attention. Thank yeah. you. The psalm doesn't end like, and God, you were then oh. really upset because I told you that they were mocking you and you came and you did what I asked you to do with your right hand and destroy them. That's actually not the landing place of the psalm. Right. As I was reflecting on that na- that part of who God is, I was thinking about us and who mm. we are. And like one of the questions that I had is, what person would just let this happen to them? And that's mm. partly the psalmist perspective, right? right. It's like, yeah. no one, like, no one should let like them... someone just destroyed your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and you're just going to like, like yeah. jet off, like on vacation or something, <laughs> not care about it. But there's something about God that, well, I think, recognize that God is God is who God is and there's nothing that these mm-hmm. these enemies can do to negate that right. in any way but he's also sort of in the scope in in the scope of his purposes he is not bothered by it mm-hmm. and what does it look like to trust in the God of larger mm-hmm. purposes right who is overseeing and waiting on him and I think that calls us maybe I'm bleeding into the third question a little bit too, but I think it does call us into and invites us into a kind of patience. What does yeah. it look like to be patient and to wait with God and for God mm-hmm. rather than assuming we ha- we need to jump to defend ourselves and make mm-hmm. sure we are protected on every front? Yeah, so wow, yeah, that was that was really good. I was I was having a really hard time with that one. And <laughs> I think you you talked about that very uh very effectively well i don't hopefully. think i don't think you're having a hard time i think yeah. like this is the wrestling like i think yeah. we're both wrestling with mm-hmm. the questions that the psalm raises right yeah like if we're not having a hard time we're not entering the psalm fully mm-hmm. right because the psalm's right like where are you why how yeah. long so i think it's appropriate to really wrestle with that question we both started talking about the third question a little bit, but maybe we'll yeah, ask yeah. it officially and we can <laughs> revisit and, you know, yeah. reiterate maybe some of what we've already said. But how does this psalm help mm-hmm. us to pray? I just think like, I mean, yeah, first off, just like not being afraid to engage with those raw feelings and not being like scared to ask those questions, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you know, I know a lot of Christians can feel like, oh man, the fact that I'm even like asking these questions right now is showing like how, un, you know, how weak faith I have and, and, you know, et cetera. And that's obviously not the case. And, and even though some people might think like, Oh, this author is the fact that he's having like a borderline, like accusation towards mm. God is showing a huge lack of faith. And, yeah. and as we talked, as you explained earlier, like that's obviously not the case. Like there actually, it's <laughs> a lot of going back to his faith yeah. in his Psalm. Right. And so I just think, you know, not being afraid to engage in those feelings, not being able to, or just not being afraid to present that case. And also, but I, I like how, you know, and this is what I was saying earlier, you know, don't like, he's not just staying in a spot of why God, but he's asking a question with some, with the concept of like who God is. Right. Yeah. So he's not just like only worrying about the question with no depth or knowledge of like who God is. He's asking these questions with, with depth and knowledge mm. of who God is and like with knowing his character and which is adding to this passion of his, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it almost adds to the frustration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It adds to that. Cause you know, it'd be like, you know, cause we, <laughs> cause I feel like the people we're the closest to is who are the quickest to be frustrated with or uh, the yeah. quickest to be like, yeah. like, I know you, like, why would you do that? Or oh, why, why are really you responding good. this way? And so knowing that just about our human nature and our relational nature with one another shows this depth that this author has mm. in knowledge of God and his love for God and his faith in God. And, and so I think that's a beautiful thing, which adds a whole nother layer to our, you know, our emotions and frustration, you know, mm. which may, you know, 
be scary to us when we have those intense feelings towards God. But then it's like, like you said, like it's not like wrongfully placed. It's a righteous anger because yeah. he's saying like not only is this like affecting us, but these people are disrespecting you. Mm-hmm. And so him already having knowledge of God, it's like he's not offended just on his own behalf. And I think, uh, and I think you know, earlier when I first read the psalm, you know, I was kind of thinking I was like, oh, he's like trying to incentivize God into into doing something. And I don't think that's you know, as, as we're even talking about right now, I'm already like rethinking that. And it's, mm. I don't think it's so much of him like incentivizing. I think it's like he's honestly feeling offended uh, by this yeah, disrespect yeah. towards God. You no, know, which I think, you know, is different than him just trying to incentivize him out of desperation. I mean, obviously he is desperate because of the situation, but I think also with him recalling his depth and knowledge of who God is, he has an honest, he's feeling honestly offended by this mistreatment yeah. like of God's name itself. So yeah, so I think... It provides a framework to like engage in these honest feelings and ask these honest questions, but not just having these questions with no depth. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. As you know, we've used a few different words. Accusation, I think, mm-hmm. is not a wrong word to use about kind of what's going on here. I, I was really struck by even beyond the questioning, there, the psalmist is trying to call God to account, hmm. right? So there's remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. Have regard for your covenant. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. In other words, this is what you have told us you will do. Now do it. Mm -hmm. This is what you promised your people. Now you need to come good on that promise. And we see this all throughout Scripture. It's not just in Psalm 74, certainly. And, you know, the motivations behind that, I think, could be justifiably mixed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think the psalmist can both be truly wanting to reflect God Mm-hmm. to the world and also at the same time thinking this is kind of dire for me and my people like, <laughs> yeah it'd be helpful Absolutely. if you did something but i thought you know i think sometimes on our journey into prayer we hit sort of questions and it's like maybe we grow comfortable with asking god questions i think we should grow comfortable with asking God questions i think that's really help- healthy mm-hmm. but then psalm 74 even takes us to another place where it's okay i've asked my questions and now i'm demanding answers mm. Like, yeah, God, you told me. And yeah. I was thinking, like, what, do, what does that even look like? Because, again, our context is so different. But I thought, you know, it's, it's things like, I mean, James 1 talks about if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the spirit of Psalm 74 is if I'm asking for wisdom and I'm feeling lost and stuck in a situation, like at some point, maybe it's, God, you promised that you would give me wisdom yeah. if I asked you. I need this. Like, now is time, like arise God and give me wisdom, right? Yeah. Making a claim on these on the covenant relationship we have. There's a there's a way, I think, a healthy way of calling to account and that God can handle those claims made on him. Right. I think sometimes we're like, well, you shouldn't make it like God is so far beyond us. Like he owes us nothing. In some sense, that's all true. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the wonder of God is that he comes and he makes himself accessible to us and he mm-hmm. allows us to make claims on himself yeah. it's a pretty remarkable thing yeah. and psalm 74 i think really invites us to a, a kind of prayer that calls god to account like hey you've right. told me this and i need this now so yeah that's a different way than i usually pray <laughs> frankly right. it's not oh, a prayer yeah, that i feel absolutely. very conversant in but the psalmist here has no fear and trembling about using that kind of language does he it's mm-hmm. just like all right this is the situation. This is who you are. This yeah. is what you've done. Time to do it again. Rise up. Defend your cause, please. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't know what you think about that, but it's one of the things that yeah. as I was thinking about prayer really kind of grabbed me in this psalm. Yeah. 
I can see how that could be like jarring for someone to hear without explanation, right? Like, oh yeah, like we should. There should be times where we call God to account, right? And somebody's like, "Excuse me, like, <laughs> yeah, what, like who yeah. do we, like who do you think you are, like who do, yeah, like right. who are we supposed to think we are, right?" And I think the way you explained it was so helpful, and because there's a reason why, I mean, because if God didn't want us to like claim these truths and know these truths and like really in our heart believe this and have like a foundation on those truths, then He wouldn't have like made a covenant yeah wouldn't have made the promises right? in the first place yeah yeah so the fact that he did like he wants us to have faith in that he wants yeah. us to know that's true and in a way like you know calling to account is our way of proclaiming like like god we believe you like we believe this yeah like this is our faith like we have faith in this we have faith in you and so it's yeah it mm. is calling to account but i think it's also like a way of like exemplifying one's faith or, or getting someone to kind of think you know, like, oh, like, how strong is my faith, right? Like, yeah, do I do I believe in this covenant? Because because mm-hmm. because this author could easily be like, well, the fact that this is happening probably means this covenant doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And so, if he ha- if so, like, if he didn't have faith, he wouldn't be talking to God this passionately. He wouldn't be writing a psalm like yeah. this. He'd just be like, well. All right, time to move on. Like, I guess, I guess God gone. is really is gone and his covenant didn't mean anything. Yeah, time to start worshiping the enemy's God. <laughs> yes. Like, that right? one's more powerful. And the fact that he's not doing that, but he's calling God to account, he's showing faith in that. Yeah. So I want to just add one thing because as you were talking, it made me think of this, Grant, because mm-hmm. the importance, going back to what you were saying about the questions, the importance of that faith and that calling to account coming on the other side of the questions. Mm-hmm. Because I do think there's Christian traditions that are very comfortable calling God to account for his promises, yeah. right? Yeah. God, here's what you said, so now I'm ready for the blessing. Yep. Like, okay, lay, layer it on. Like, right. here we are, and we're right. just going to name all your promises, and we're going to claim them, and that's like, we have faith, and we're just trying to sort of have enough faith so that you'll actually do it. And that's, I don't think, what's happening in the psalm. No. I think like what you see is the person who is in the midst of crisis, who is asking some of the deepest questions, the cries of the heart, right? Mm-hmm. And then out of that now, okay, I am I am resting myself on what you've done in the past. Now I'm calling you to the promises you've yeah. made. And that's a very different posture, I think, than sort of mm-hmm. like the, well, great, I have the set of promises, <laughs> like yeah. time for you to yeah. deliver, God. So I think it's really significant that it comes on the other side of the questions right. that the kind of prayer journey that the psalmist takes us on is in that order. So some of your comments made me think, oh yeah, that's a really important, the order is really significant Mm -hmm. here as well. So, yeah. (laughs) I hope listeners have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, because there is a sense in which as we've gone through the Psalter, there's something new happening in kind of book three as we've entered it Mm -hmm. with some new voices and some of this experience of a people who have been defeated in some ways. And it's, I think it takes a different kind of wrestling. So I appreciate you wrestling with me, with me, not against me, but with me, <laughs> together with it. Well, well like tag team in it, tag, right, team, it. tag <laughs> team in it, tap in, tap out, exactly. <laughs> we are the WWE of, of song, <laughs> song podcasts. <laughs> oh, Make boy. the outfits. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode, it'll be a video podcast. <laughs> Well, let's conclude with some words from the psalm itself one more time. This is from verse 9 and verse 12. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation 
on the earth. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.